0: star trek the nerdy frontier these are the discussions of the good time society their continuing mission to explore each episode to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations to boldly watch what they've already watched before
1: yay guys happy recording day happy rec-
0: day Becca
2: yeah. oh
1: gosh I need it I need the distraction
2: yeah for yeah.
0: sure and this was a distraction let me tell you
2: it was was it yeah, it was sort of a departure <laughs> from the norm in any way Becca it's Becca and true. I were talking
0: about this because she thought Monday was Tuesday on Monday and so she watched she Started she watching the episodes no, right. no judgment
2: yeah well that's called preparation
0: <laughs> I was <laughs> I was like how's it going she's like nothing's really happened and I'm halfway through <laughs> and then when I watched I was like oh yeah not a lot really happens until halfway through. Yeah.
1: It very much reminded me of classic Twilight Zone episodes. There was very little sound design, or the sound design was intentionally very silent. Maybe because silence is in the title of the episode. Mm. Uh, episode two, where silence has lease. Nice. Um,
0: Did you just segue yourself? <laughs> I that's right, it's where silence has lease. When an alien traps the Enterprise and threatens to kill half the crew purely out of curiosity, Captain Picard is faced with a grim decision. And
1: but wait until 40 minutes in to meet this nemesis. <laughs> mm-hmm. With a real baby face. It reminds me of that like, Snapchat filter people were using. Yeah. <laughs> the Snapchat
0: yeah. filter or a kid who gets their face painted at a
2: carnival? You're yeah. aging yourselves so hard right now. <laughs> so it's this TikTok filter where, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there no, it is. Yeah. That's how we
1: sound. Hip.
2: No, uh, yeah, I think that's why the, we get the action sort of in that in the cold open too, because maybe they realize there's not so much action <laughs> for a while.
1: Can we talk about just the cold open for mm. forty minutes? Actually, <laughs> <That'd be great. laughs> it's so funny
0: because I did take a lot of notes about the cold open. Mm. Most, most especially like even just the first. Second, where Picard just comes out of his personal ready room and he's like, I forgot why I came in here. Is this like yeah. what I thought it looked like? Yeah. And then Patrick Stewart does a full like minute of worried acting, sits <laughs> down, and then Troy's like, You're worried. Yeah.
2: <laughs> It's like he you did all that atazoid. You don't need to call it out.
1: <laughs> uh, why were they why why did Picard even know that Worf and Riker were what we in what we find out is our first holodeck of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were doing Worf's training.
2: I like to think that Picard and Riker have like synced their calendars and they sort of update each other and Riker's like, I got this big duel coming up with Worf and I'm training and I'm nervous. He's like, don't worry, number one, you'll be fine.
1: They share a Google calendar. (laughs) (laughs) That's the next level of a relationship.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They also share like an eight hour shift on the bridge. So I'm sure like during the moments of silence, it's like, so we're working out tomorrow. Oh, you guys are working out tomorrow? They
2: just didn't show that part of the episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that happens on the bridge.
2: I'm really <laughs> proud of of where Star Trek is going, but I'm just sick of this product placement and this uh, like blatant grab with the Nintendo Power Glove that Warf took <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> It's just too much, you know? It's too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wrote metal embellished infinity gauntlet. Yeah. But you know what? Now that you mention it, it's definitely the Nintendo Power Glove.
0: <laughs> I wrote... I wrote spiked oven mitt.
1: Oh, so oh that's probably that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And oven mitts were really pushing for a resurgence, you know, getting their sales up. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, the The music of that scene and all the fight choreography and the costumes of the, I mean, I'm going to call them monsters even though they are alien species. They're mm-hmm. monsters. was very reminiscent of the original series, right? It yeah. was definitely like a planet- an away mission fight between Kirk and some Gorn captain.
2: Yeah, well, and it's funny because I, I was also criticizing it pretty hardly, but then I'm like, it's the holodeck, I'll allow it. Like <laughs> maybe Worf programmed this. In that case, it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it was fun. Like I still like enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. and those weapons that they're using are definitely LARP and boffer weapons because I we have them.
0: <laughs> tell, tell everybody what a boffer weapon is.
2: So it's a foam weapon. Uh, These specific For boffing. For, for boffing. Boffers are normally thicker uh, for, like, fake sword fighting. And, and To boff
0: is to, to um, bop,
2: but without harming. Correct. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't consider a bop harmful to begin with.
2: Well, then you didn't play bop it with the intensity that the rest of us
1: did. Excellent Twist point. it. I, take I have back the my scars,
2: coverage. Becca.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, Worf uh, shows... Riker, one of his less intense calisthenic routines. Yeah, uh, that was a great that was a great cap on that scene. It was like, right. yeah, no, usually they're they're much more personal, intense, and I then mean, we go right into the, the credits. The only
1: button that was there, you had to take <laughs> it. Uh, Worf really showed his his wild man with his hearty yeah. call and his blow dried puffy hair. <laughs>
2: Yeah. He was
0: also, like, going full barbarian mode and, like, about to attack Riker, which I thought was a little out of character from what we know of him so far. Is that I a Klingon like... rage thing I don't know about, Xander?
2: Yes, I would like to rage. I think we're, <laughs> we're, we're pulling off of—at this point, Worf is still relatively unknown, like, to the viewers. We've got this these years of of knowing him as, like, maybe yeah. he's a cuddly teddy bear of a Klingon. But they're still operating off of the mentality from original series and where Klingons were sort of one of the main bad guys. So you, I think they were trying to show he's wrestling with this nature of wild violence and he's wrestling it down. But then you kind of remember he was raised by humans. So then mm-hmm. is this nature nurture? So... Yeah, he definitely has an
0: animalistic quality because of the growling combined with like the just ferocity of everything, I think
2: my real theory is that they just got new prosthetic teeth and they just really wanted to show (laughs) off those close-ups.
0: He did have great teeth.
1: (laughs) He's had those the whole time. Hmm.
2: But,
0: but maybe they, they nice. maybe, maybe they, they, they yellowed them a little more. Or yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah.
0: So uh, we move on from the holodeck, and uh, we find a very exciting thing in space, which is a lack of space. Uh, it is mm. known as, I guess, a void or just a black spot. We do wait, some wait, funny wait, wait. Magne- we know
1: about wormholes, but this isn't that.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, I even love how he describes it. Uh, Data's like, "There's just nothing there." And Picard pauses and goes, "On screen." Like, oh, that's an interesting <laughs> choice. I want to see nothing.
2: Well, that's like someone saying, like, don't touch it, it's hot. And you're like, oh, really? So when you touch the thing. <laughs> How hot? Hand it
0: to me, is what the yeah. command would be. <laughs> yeah, and we see,
2: uh, which is actually
0: more than just uh, a lack of space. There is, like, a, a shadow of some sort, and we see an image that lacks dimension. And we spend, I think, the first act of the entire episode just trying to figure out uh, – how to define the thing.
1: Well, and Picard doing more and more of touching the hot thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow, our probe just got devoured. Huh, this reminds me of an old Klingon legend of a blia- right. giant black space creature that devours vessels. Get a little closer. Go right yeah. up to the edge.
2: I, I think this is a great example of showing Starfleet's sort of arrogance too and hubris because. They spend all this time floating out in space, untouchable, thinking they're the peak of technology. And it's sort of Starfleet's mission to go where no one has gone before. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's both this the mission protocol of, like, we're an exploration vessel, let's go explore. And also, hey, our security officer said a pretty ominous thing, maybe we should listen to that. <laughs>
0: But he undermined himself, too, right after that. He's like, but I am a Starfleet officer. I know that's not a very scientific thing to say. And then I was like, well, you guys, your first episode, you were, like, encountered by a godlike creature that decided all of your choices and put you in costumes. Um Pretty sure we should go with some myth right now.
1: Well, and they have a counselor that's very prominent on the bridge of the ship saying that intuition and feeling has a lot to offer scientifically, even if it can't be explained.
2: Also, a, a puddle of blackness took out the last security officer.
1: Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> when the yeah. next security officer is cautious of a black puddle, maybe be wary.
0: You have a good point, Becca. Like Troy is pretty pivotal. P- Troy is pretty pivotal. <laughs> Pivotable. Pivotal. <laughs> Troy is privi- pretty. Potable? Oh
1: boy.
0: <laughs> Troy is pretty. Pivotal. <laughs> but yet she uh, kind of disappears for half the episode, actually. I don't know if you noticed, but when Pulaski's yeah. on the ship, like, she's not there half the time, and well, I don't because,
1: know why. Well, because, no, there's a real reason. There's a woman already there, you yeah. see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, she off- was very much ignored during the gender question, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. Pulaski got thrown to the side, and it's like... I think it's because you're a lady.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and then did not acknowledge your name, Troy. When it when this being this baby face Snapchat TikTok filter (laughs) said everyone's name, it just knew all of their names through Doctor Popo, uh, whatever. Pulaski. I can't remember that. I want to put an in there, and you got mad at me. It's literally Uh, (laughs) three
0: syllables. You can do it.
1: Dr. Pole, Pole, uh, yeah. and then and then like never calls out Troy or mentions the fact that she is also this strange variation from the norm, which again well, is the thing that is the whole problem with patriarchy is that male is considered the default and she's the other instead of Wow, look, there are two types of beings on this bridge or you know two variations.
2: Just to further intensify that. The difference between a male human and female human is more like stands out more to this thing than a half betazoid or a like, Klingon or a Klingon. Like, yeah. like, what? What do you mean? That's the difference? Gender is a construct. Everybody, <sighs> gender is a
1: construct. Have
0: boobies.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're wearing the scant uniform. <laughs> Though I do love her variation on it. It's very cool. Yeah, it's very professional. Ryan, Describe
1: hey. because I don't have eyes. Oh.
2: Pulaski's uh, uniform it's sort of instead of a doctor's coat it has this sort of like belt that cinches and it's the scant uniform oh. uh, but it's in like the science blues it's really cool and she has like pants on underneath that too mm-hmm. right mm-hmm,
0: yeah you know? wow yeah it's, pretty Al- cute. it's anyway. like almost the power suit of the Starfleet uniform like pretty close right
2: yeah, welcome to my Pulaski fancast, uh, where we talk about Dr. <laughs> Catherine Pulaski.
0: <laughs> so we, let's see, how does this even go? Uh, like, what happens next? We pretty much, we launch probes until the very thing that Worf warned us about comes mm-hmm. true, which is that mm-hmm. we become enveloped. And it's funny because Worf is like, well, it, the legend is it devours ships. And yeah. then when we get devoured, no one points out that we just got devoured.
1: Yeah. Like, oh, maybe Worf Envelope is right. That's is what crazy, Worf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the, the, the black hole comes to meet the ship. They get up right close to the edge, and then it... That's the sound of a devouration. One thing I do
2: like is that as soon as they were in like real danger, Wesley is off the bridge, and they actually get a Starfleet officer then, and we get the gift of an amazing Haskell.gif.
0: <laughs> Not only is it a great gif, it's like our first red shirt casualty yeah. that we've kind of had in this traditional way. Right. Hello,
1: yeah, I wrote down in hello Haskell, goodbye Haskell. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I was I wondering, don't know. About I his was bothered by the fact that it's a black the- actor, and I yeah, was like, yeah. oh okay, yeah, kill the black man that you immediately introduced. I mean, I know there's other black men on this bridge right yeah. now. It just, it just, I didn't like it. Right. I didn't want I, Haskell back.
2: I didn't like it either.
1: But, but when he died, he took a big inhale of air, and I saw his nostrils flare. flare? So that was the take they chose to use of him yeah. being dead. Uh, so that at least was a I bummer. I felt that better. That nostril
0: flare was definitely a, a, a real miss. If
1: you
2: if you get the day part and your job is to die, he died, and it was great. And also, he had this sort of like weird attitude on the bridge that I, I don't. It was a weird sort of energy. That what do you mean? When was when he was talking to Picard. There was some, I don't know, conflict of, of like, the captain. Like, he kept on questioning every order, even though it was, you know, a dire situation. It was his first day as an ensign
0: on the bridge. He's like, yeah. I'm to finally do it. I get a drive, and that 16-year-old kid doesn't get to yeah. take my <laughs> position again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just because he's the old doctor's kid doesn't mean he always gets bridge duty.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's, like, stuck in a maintenance closet somewhere. Most <laughs> of shift.
2: Just in command reds, just like, I'm ready. Put me in, coach. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, we launch probes, we get enveloped, and then we do some beacon shenanigans. We try and drop a, a beacon astern and then fly away from it, and then it turns out, oh, guess what? It's just right in front of us again.
1: Now, this was some powerful sound design, hearing the bleep of the beacon as it slowly gets quiet, but then it gets louder again, and oh my god, now it's in front of us when it was <laughs> to our stern!
0: It's such an old-fashioned beacon that it has to still beep as if we're not in the yeah. silence of space and we're really just getting a signal. Like, there's no <laughs> auditory,
2: This we're in a vacuum. <laughs> right. This this was, no one told it, it, the
1: sound designer.
2: I don't know if this was also during the writer's strike, but this very much seemed to me like they took a, like Twilight Zone or even like a Doctor Who script and sort of was like, but what if it was in space with Ooh. technology? Mm. You know what I mean? So and also they went, they did not do their A plot B plot format, which we had. Become, become accustomed to, which may be why it felt so drawn out and long. Because it was yeah, much why we one felt like
1: line. a fly trapped in amber of the void. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so you know, the writer strike had ended. So this is the first episode with a completely original script after the strike. Wait for um, sure,
1: because I mean, I'm still on. They <laughs> should just call it. It was still part of the writer's yeah. strike. There is <laughs> very little that happens in this episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing. I like – I think I actually like what this episode could have been because it is an interesting premise. They just kind of did mm. – wandered around and asked questions without answering them for half of it, which I think they could have brought that down to one act and then had a lot of fun with being toyed with as rats in a lab. Because that's mm. a really interesting concept of, of of having to escape from a lab by convincing the scientists you aren't worthy of experimentation Right, like it, that's a great concept, but yeah. we really don't get that until Act Five, and the right. and the way of getting out of it is to kill ourselves, which yeah. we'll talk about that. But that's that was a very grim thing to happen over the course of seven minutes of episode time.
1: Yeah, that was a wild choice for Picard to make. Uh, no, uh, he wants <laughs> to kill fifty percent of our staff just so he can view each and every version of death. Nah, we'll just kill everybody instead, and the whole right. crew's like. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm yeah, we're gonna we get to hear the
0: ship-wide <laughs> announcement where everybody has to realize what he's saying. He's like, "Anyway, yeah. we don't want to be experimented on, so I'm nuking ourselves. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, gonna give us like, roughly okay. twenty minutes.
1: It's a Picard uh, thing Knight. to do, um, mm-hmm. but not a rational thing to do.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> he's
1: well, let's, let's just l- being fair.
0: <laughs> let's go in order of this because a bunch of things happen that don't that don't immediately get solved, but they just kind of encounter, such as the, the Romulans appear. We. We destroy the Romulans with one hit. Seems a little easy. The USS Yamato appears, which I believe is just another Enterprise, right? Another Galaxy-class ship.
2: Right, and we see the, again the elements of that horror episode. Or they try with Worf trying to comprehend multiple dimensions. <laughs> yeah, and
0: well, when speaking of sound design, Becca, when Riker gets on board the ship for the first time, there's like these eerie. It's before the screams, but like there's these eerie, haunting like strings that happen in the background as well. Mm.
1: Nothing spookier than a stringed instrument. <laughs>
0: Also, I wrote down, one Riker,
2: one bridge Yeah, me call. too.
0: So this is, again, like, Worf is the barbarian of the D&D yeah. party. I feel like the bridge encounter with more bridges was like a dungeon master, like, trying to stall. Is like, I don't know what's in the next room. I'm just going to make it another of the same room. Yeah. <laughs> That'll last me until everybody gets sleepy, and then I'll figure it out next week.
2: Right, right, <laughs> and it was planned the whole time. <laughs>
0: and then, as they like, it's one of those good things as a dungeon master too. Is like, as the players start going in the same room over and over, they'll like make a theory as to what it is, and then you can. get that's like, good. That's yeah, it. It's that yeah. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. Good. yeah. Hey, it's a collaborative storytelling experience, and same around the enterprise. Yeah, it is whatever you think it is, Worf.
0: Yeah, yeah. Riker's getting pissed because he's just sick of being toyed with. Uh, yeah. and maybe that's what the the Riker-Worf bonding is happening right now in this episode is like Riker kind of sees eye to eye with Worf in terms of Worf's frustration because Worf is like raging through much of that bridge encounter for sure. <laughs> and almost punches Riker again. He's yeah. like just calm
2: down. <laughs> you can't. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, They were trying to build their chemistry, but I don't see it. There wasn't much um, personal interaction happening between Riker and Worf. It was That's just like, thing- Rage! Rage! Calm down,
2: uh, Commander! That, uh, I always have to take a step back, to because I'm like, maybe this is how straight guys bond. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's true,
1: you know? Yeah, Jake, you'll have to attest, because yeah. and I are just at a loss. Is this how it works?
0: They are probably, like, the cops that are in the background of a good cop buddy show. Like, the other cops that are solving the cases a little bit behind everybody. That's kind of Riker and Worf's vibe.
1: That makes sense. Got it. Like, yeah. Worf's
0: got a coffee stand, and he's cleaning it up in the background of the shot kind of
1: thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's kind of their vibe. So we figure out, okay, there is an intelligence here. There is something much va- uh, more vast, I believe it's described, uh, and putting it all together. There's a lot of very vague terms in
1: here. Yeah. Well, well, Deanna's like, oops, you know what? <laughs> too big of an intelligence. That's why I had no idea to do my well, one job, which is to sense consciousness out there. That's so
0: true, Becca. She's like, uh, oh, whoops, I figured out the plot device. Okay. <laughs> <That's>
2: <laughs> Well, and then we get fake uh, Deanna later on, too, who is Mm -hmm. like, oh, I should have mentioned this, but I forgot. So I think they were trying to set up as this is something that could feasibly happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she makes mistakes or, you know.
1: So the twenty minutes where we were just sitting on the bridge, <laughs> just staring at this black hole, we could have been Nothing. doing all kinds of shenanigans of body snatchers and intimidating, uh, intimating, being other crew members. Yeah, w- would have been super fun because that was a great scene where um, Deanna Troy and Data both confront Picard in his quarters, I guess, saying hey, you know what's crazy? Killing everyone on the ship, which seems like what we would think is a rational thing for those characters to say, but no, 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 Picard knows better. Mm. They would never question his ultimate moral authority that he is Big Daddy Picard that knows what's best. (laughs) And so he's like, no, 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 no. Where, computer, where is Data on the bridge? Knew it. And then they ominously stare at him. It's great.
2: Yeah. And they call him Jean-Luc.
1: Ooh, yes, 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 yes. Which makes sense for Troy. Right. uh, If they're in their personal quarters, she would call him Jean-Luc. I I felt that. But when Data mimics it, I thought as a viewer, oh, Data's just trying to appeal to Picard and seeing it and emulating because of picking up on the human cues that like, oh, in this scenario, I guess it's okay to call him Jean-Luc. Jean Luc knows better.
2: (laughs) See,
0: I fell for it. I was like, this is a poorly written scene. And then as as, as soon as you said Jean Luc, I was like, oh, Data's trying a tactic. He's like trying to empathize because he wants to talk him down. And then then it happened. I was like,
1: oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I guess it did seem like there was a writer for that scene. See, I think this was half writer strike, half not.
0: I think that, I don't even, I'm not even saying the scene was necessarily poorly or well-written, I'm just saying I fell for it because I'm, like, trying to look so hard into the writing it. of the scene instead of living in it, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I probably would have mm-hmm. noticed it if I was paying more attention to the story instead of overanalyzing it.
2: Well, my my overanalysis of it was I had forgotten what had happened, I knew <laughs> something was up, but I thought that they had control of, of Deanna because of her psychic awareness, oh. and Data because of his machine capabilities. Uh-huh. I thought that was the angle, but no, they were just projections. <laughs> uh,
1: now, if what the being wanted was to study death, and they gave them, one hundred percent deaths, wouldn't that be what they wanted?
0: It was the variation, yeah. and the reaction of, and mm-hmm. how they respond to. Trick it.
1: question. You guys got it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we didn't. But really I'm get... not Becca. <laughs>
0: I mean, the being, we just kind of have to assume what he really wants. I don't think he necessarily wanted death. He just wants to experiment. and He wants to learn things. And so when things fly into his void, he just experiments with that, I guess. Yeah. Well,
1: can we really fault it for that curiosity? Isn't that a human trait?
0: It is. That's what they share. Yeah. As every uh, adolescent do- learns when they kill bugs or something, you know?
1: We right. did learn that the Enterprise is made of titanium. Try
2: Tritanium. Oh. Titanium. Titanium. oh. <laughs> It has to be made It's okay, that's okay, Becca,
0: don't be sad. No. It's tritanium. Oh, did no. you want it to be titanium? Yeah. No. It's all right, this doesn't ruin anything. No. <laughs>
1: okay. Her day is just shot now.
2: We're not
0: gonna get anything
1: done. I failed, I failed the quiz.
2: Listen, there is no tritanium, there's only deutanium. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, jumping around, but um, back to Dr. Popo on the bridge when Haskell dies. Crusher right. would have brought him back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we,
0: we never make much of an effort for the extras or one-time guest stars.
1: But Crusher has for sure brought people back to life.
2: Yes, Crusher. You know what? We can't all be Beverly Crusher, okay? But Dr. Pulaski is wonderful in her own way.
0: <laughs> yeah, if only Crusher, if only Wesley was there to say my mom could have done it.
2: That would have been very good <laughs> and so mean-spirited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Well, speaking of mean-spirited, Pulaski says something like, "Why do I get the feeling that now is not the time to join to
2: this join ship?" To join the ship, she's right. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, know, right? I'd be pissed too. Well, well I'll, I'll nobody could say anything to Picard unless they're in the not in their own body. It
0: definitely feels like a rushed solution of like, "All right, well, I guess they'll just Picard will just gambit to kill them all because he doesn't want to be reduced to be an experimentation." So then they have this very awkward conversation between Riker and Picard of like, "How much time is enough time to die?"
1: Well, I yeah. pose the question to you guys. If Ooh. you were setting the auto-destruct sequence and you were going to alert the entire ship, which reacts very calmly, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, how much time would you give them?
2: I Personally, I think this this was the right call because there, was, there were no o- o- other options. This was an extreme choice, and it's a hard choice, and Picard had to make it. Uh, and, and it was through the lens of understanding that he was bluffing. And the whole you, you could, uh, you could uh, sort of surmise that the whole ship was sort of on board on this bluff plan and knew they had to go along with it in order to have it be successful, um, which is why we see this sort of Did going along that? with it.
0: Did they know? Because on the, on the bridge, everybody's staring at Picard as the countdown gets closer to zero and yeah. freaking out.
1: Would they no, weren't I, freaking out enough for my my yeah, I was preference freaking out though. I was freaking out more <laughs> yeah. than they were thinking yeah. like, You have 20 seconds now. Oh, and originally it was 20 minutes that was set for the countdown. And then they're on the bridge, 20 seconds left, and everybody's like, eyes wide, staring at him. But I would be screaming, (laughs) call it off already, (laughs) Picard!
2: But he makes a good point. Because we previously had this scene with characters uh, that were simulations, he could not be sure that the simulation had ended when it seemed like it ended. So this was this was the only way that the bluff would work, as if you pushed it right to the last possible moment, so that the the enveloping creature really thought an explosion was going to happen and he was going to lose everything, to pull to call off the um, the illusions. So right. I would have and probably made a mistake And it two people
1: then. to both initiate and to call off the auto destruct. Uh, and Riker decides to respond to, "Do you really want to cancel this auto destruct?" Yes, definitely. I do. Unquestionably, call it off. I feel like uh, the computer can't respond till you finish speaking.
0: <laughs> so then I reversed course at that point, thinking, "Oh, this isn't bad writing. The, we're still in the simulation because because yeah. Riker wouldn't talk like that.
2: That's a fake that Riker." That would have been a good uh, pivot
0: at the yeah, end. Yeah. Right. And, like, if Riker steps into the ready room and then he's that and he tells him good job or whatever. Like, instead of Mm -hmm. that weird monitor scene that we have where Picard's just talking to his computer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I probably, to answer your question, Becca, I probably only would have given the crew 60 seconds. Mainly because uh, it's such a heavy thing and, like, they know what they signed up for when they got here. So it's like, we're going to do this now before he has a chance to experiment on us.
1: Right? Because what – the thing never said – I will begin my experiment in 30 minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Additionally, it's like at minute 16, people are going to lose their shit. And I don't really want that to happen when we still have four more minutes to go. So I'd prefer to just get it done with.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep, yep, yep. It was a bit clunky. (laughs) Could your bluff have bluffed its way out, you know? Would it have had time to resolve?
0: I don't know if I would have been bluffing. I think if we're (laughs) actually talking about the real – predicament here right of, of if we have to actually blow up the ship how much time do we give them okay I mean, if well, we're bluffing in, to in, yeah, never 20 step foot on your right. starship yeah <laughs> very different <laughs> i wouldn't make style. this
1: decision you put me in the hypothetical yeah, yeah. and it was a test to see if i would see the see the if I will get on your starship
0: yeah and i didn't get into starfleet academy
2: now huh this is a
1: psychological
2: <laughs> test now i gotta wait till no
1: the next you year. got into the academy i'm just not gonna be your crew <laughs>
2: But this, this is a great point because a lot of the testing that is in Starfleet are unwinnable scenarios. That's sort of the whole thing. And especially when, with the original series and Kirk's whole mantra of, like, there are no unwinnable scenarios. So mm. this is just another sort of experimentation of, like, where, what are the other options that are really outside of the box? Blowing up the whole ship. That's one of them. <laughs> yeah I mean
0: it's crazy that that was the one and I I mean there's we can surmise on one of the other options they could have come up with but like it's it's weird that he just decided um instead of losing a few people, we're gonna lose everybody.
2: It could also be justified with we don't want tech to get into alien hands. We don't want – I mean, the, he, the, 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 But
0: he bargains so much with other enemies throughout the whole series, and he has in the past before, of like, I'll give myself up. or. Yeah. So, I thought so, we some were going to get on one of
2: those. The, yeah, yeah, or some yeah. people
0: on the saucer section will come over to you, and we will willingly do it. But the, the, the civilians and the children are going to go on the legs and retreat back out of here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I or, thought it was going to be uh, me and the volunteers we choose will let you kill us. You could bring us back to life and kill us over and over uh, <laughs> or something. Don't give him ideas, Becca.
0: <laughs> you can torture us as much as you want. Have you heard of waterboarding? We'll send you the data.
1: It's like, <laughs> no,
2: no, no. But we also have this massively powerful holographic simulation that can show you any death you wish. Yes. Mm.
0: There you go. Why not just show him TV slash the holodeck, right? Problem solved.
1: Well, (laughs) Picard's got to come up with a one up quick, and all he had was murder everyone. (laughs) It's one of those days.
0: This episode of To Boldly Watch is sponsored by Easy Boom. Overtaken by renegade Romulans? Held hostage by pre-war barbarians who've seduced your security officers with their pheromone cubes? Trapped in the event horizon of a black hole experiencing an ever-widening stretch of infinite space-time? Well, you need to set up a self-destruct sequence. But darn it, you just can't remember that 18-digit confirmation code. And your first officer over there is clawing his own face off. With EasyBoom, you don't have to remember long strings of numbers, Greek jargon, or even your full rank and name. EasyBoom's simple confirmation system only requires a few basic security checks, all customizable by you. You can choose from such easy-to-remember options as what color shirt am I wearing, the lyrics to a cheerful Ferengi money-counting song, or even just a good old-fashioned face scan. For Klingon customers, EasyBoom provides a wide range of growls and grunts as well. Be sure to use offer code TBW on your next purchase of Easyboom software for a free celebrity timer voice mod. That's right, To Boldly Watch's own Xander Genre will count down the seconds until your destruction. Thanks to Easyboom for their support of To Boldly Watch and Good Time Society.
1: Uh, we haven't talked about the fact that the big bad with the baby face is named Nagilam. Mm-hmm.
0: You want to know where that name comes
1: from? Yeah. Yes.
0: The original actor that they had cast to play Nagilam. Uh, is actually his last name was Mulligan, which is Nagilam backwards.
1: Whoa. Whoa, it's a Voldemort
2: situation.
0: Yeah. Richard (laughs) Mulligan was his name. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Richard Mulligan. All right, all right. Well, Mulligan is a do-over, so. um, (laughs) Well, they actually got They got one of those. They
0: got Earl Bowen to do it. Do you guys know who Earl Bowen is? You would recognize his face. He's been in a lot Mm. of, like, 90s movies. He was in – I mean I remember it most mostly from Terminator 2. If you look up Earl Bowen E A R L B O W or B O E N. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I recognized his voice. I was like, who is that? And then you look it up. It's like, oh, yeah, it's the guy who has the hypodermic uh, needle cap in his yeah. mouth and drops it when he sees the T-1000 come through mm. the bars of T2. Mm. Such an <laughs> iconic scene.
2: And also, he is uh, LeChuck in Monkey Island, which I recently played through on Twitch. Whoa. Oh. A very good voice. Way to bring it together. Uh, Twitch.tv wow.
0: slash Sanderific. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Two R's, one F. Um Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, I just wanted to chat about the existential conversation about human nature that Nagelum and Picard have at the end of the episode.
2: Wait, I don't want to get away from this, that, that you get off easy on the moral question. How long would you give the entire ship to die?
1: Three seconds. Okay,
2: there you go. <laughs> Attention That's the right on answer. hands. If you're going to do something, tanium.
1: I mean, titanium. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm an impulsive person and I can't I can't meddle around. We're doing a thing, we're doing it.
0: <laughs> uh, what about the conversation between I don't know,
1: Beck? remind me, I forgot what he said. He was like, Let, "Would you like because you, I know you're a curious being, how about I tell you some things that I've learned about humans?" Mm. And then I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he says that humans
1: I made to do a spit take. <laughs>
0: He says, uh, humans, quote, seem to find no tranquility in anything. You struggle against the inevitable. You thrive Mm -hmm. on conflict. You are rash, quick to judge, slow to change. It's amazing you survived. As a species, we have no common ground. You're too aggressive, too hostile, too militant. Wow, I see why I
1: blacked out. This is horrible. It's what makes me so afraid of what's happening in the news today, which we don't need to talk about. But, um, yep, that's why I blacked out. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Well, I mean— to be fair, like, yeah, a lot of human beings are militant, and historically we have been. And so, like, that's not an unfair assessment. It's probably why Picard doesn't counter him. Even though a lot of the Federation slash Starfleet's goals are non-militaristic uh, and more diplomatic and exploratory in nature, uh, they actually are very hostile and very aggressive at times as well. The fact that they yeah. have no common ground, I'm surprised Picard didn't call him on that, though.
2: Yeah. Well, he did at the end, just saying that we have a curiosity. Yeah, but- um, but true. I do think that this is also interesting uh, of a motif that we saw with Q as well. It's sort of, um, we get a bird's eye view of we, like, go around in our starships and we see other races and other worlds and da-da-da-da. Um, but when we are the subject of the experimentation, they come to the same conclusions. That human beings are rash, you know, they're militaristic, they're unpredictable, and they're Right. And so I think that's why it's so important we have things like the Prime Directive or whatever, these these different rules or set of standards that's for Starfleet, because the rest of the galaxy thinks that we're this insane, you know, virus that's spreading around conquering otherwise.
1: I don't disagree.
2: My question right. is, though, haven't we
0: re- tread over this ground already with Q? Like, didn't mm-hmm. we already accomplish this already? Like, so you especially, you make a good point, Xander. They reach the same conclusions that humans have already reached. So then why are we doing this again? And it's, it's technically like a, a lesser version of a Q episode, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think
2: it's like writers coming to the same conclusion and going, I'm about to blow your mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> what if humans were the bad guys? Does yeah.
1: Nagilam have anything that differentiates it from Q? Well, I mean, they make him,
2: or they make it to be more
0: of like a experimenter, quote unquote, and play, like, Q plays games and experiments with people's reactions all the time. He kills crew members and mm-hmm. gauges reactions. He does that. So, like, mm-hmm. there's not a huge difference in there, but, like, I guess it's not as, uh, he's not John Delancey and, like, smarming it up the whole time and coming in with period costumes.
2: <laughs> he could be. They could be if they want. Yeah, to. Yeah, we don't know Very if
0: that if that have. face is wearing a Revolutionary War jacket. He could be.
1: Yeah, and maybe not um, materialize their own body, but then again, that other Federation's ship was manifested out of nothing, so maybe they could. (laughs) Also, very important and relevant to the topic at hand, I took a test, and it says I'm 90% Q and 90% Riker.
2: I took the same one, and I had... A similar result. I don't understand <laughs> how this
0: test works because I've seen this all over the internet and we'll post a link to it on the description, but there's you can't do percentages that exceed 100. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: apparently we did. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> a I was... Star Trek quiz! <laughs> yeah. It seems that they are just a bunch of quizzes put into one that's testing you on your um, similarity to each of six different characters. <laughs> Seven.
2: I was 90% Crusher, 90% Q, and 80% Troy. So, yeah. ha, just put them all together.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're mostly Crusher. That's so sweet. All I yeah. got was
2: 40% Barkley. It was so weird.
1: Now, what this quiz is really about is mining your data. And they did that very successfully.
2: <laughs> they got it. Mm-hmm. it. Mine's pronounced data, though.
1: <laughs> what is the difference? Why do you even care? <laughs> what is a name? You are a computer.
2: She did a of a thing about that too when he was at the helm uh like oh magnify to a thousand percent is he even capable of doing that oh my god (laughs) so we were we were setting up again her
0: skepticism her like bones versus spock type of relationship with data of like Mm. her not believing that uh he can't experience things the same way we can right
2: yes well surely
1: this will be put to rest soon and they won't do more episodes about it
2: no i love it because that brings conflict and it brings conversation because how human of
1: you to want those things (laughs) yeah
2: it's true uh because up to this point we've just had this easy society of everybody who's adjusted to replicators in the holodeck and this amazing technology and now we see something that's giving them pause or an issue Uh, And you can see that there is a sort of gap between someone who spends time with Data and who has just read about Data.
0: And it doesn't last – it doesn't uh, solve itself in the episode. It's like an establishment of her character, and then they carry it over through episodes. So they want it to be an interpersonal uh, dynamic that they have to solve, and I I admire that too. I think from a writing standpoint, it's good to have a character with a a thing we don't like about them because we all know the audience is on Data's side in this. And yeah, this yeah. new who's this new schoolmarm who's telling us that he's not a person, <laughs> right? But <laughs> yeah. that's a great writing device to have also cuz she is uh, she fits in with the crew in other ways in, mm-hmm. a, in a lot of great ways, but this thing is it makes her stick out.
1: A schoolmistress typically used with reference to a woman regarded as prim, strict and brisk in manner.
0: Schoolmarm. Not wrong. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> <I'll> take it. <laughs> it's interesting going back to Naguila's uh, interpretation of humanity it's that um we're never content with a constant
2: mm-hmm. happiness
1: is found through the achieving of things and we constantly need conflict to overcome in order to achieve happiness i love really that really interesting and sad thing about us <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> that's a really great insight though and it's very true mm-hmm. is like um i was also reading recently about how we the way we measure our happiness is uh happiness doesn't last if it's a If you get a a good thing in one chunk, the size of it doesn't matter because it it still only lasts for a certain amount of time. But if you Mm -hmm. have small amounts of happiness over lots of different periods of your life, that
2: tends to last throughout, right? And And it's how the happiness is fleeting, you know? Yeah, well, the secret to that for most people is gratitude. So you can replicate that feeling of happiness by having gratitude over and over and reflecting on the experiences that you've had.
1: Oh snap, we broke the system with this journal. Look at these. <laughs> Look at these. I have that too. The Kirkusat one? Yeah.
2: <laughs> really? Yeah, but hold
0: on, I'm going to go get it. This Kirkusot has gotten three different plugs on this podcast, I think.
1: Well, you know, I bought swag. I couldn't help it. And uh, it is a gratitude journal. I have not opened it yet because I'm not done with my current gratitude journal. Good. (gasps) Stop it. Sandra Rivik has one too.
2: Just real great stuff for an audio podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is what the people love. Yeah. Jake will cut it out.
0: Uh, no, I'll probably keep it in. Uh, did you guys notice uh, Riker's finger guns towards uh, the transporter chief on his way out? No. So when he gets uh it was, I mean, it's one finger gun, but when, oh. uh, when Riker and Worf return from the Yamato, is it the Yamato uh-huh. or was it the?
1: Yamada. Yeah,
0: Yamato. Yama- y- and you know,
1: Yamato. when there's one finger gun, there's always more.
0: <laughs> but he, uh, he doesn't have a line to give. So he just kind of gives them a nice job. Ah, with a finger <laughs> well,
1: that's the secret of good acting.
0: <laughs> that might have been a Frakes thing. When you don't and have a line,
1: Frakes. you use yeah. a gesture.
0: Uh, the other thing I noticed was I i was—I remember last week when we recorded our episode how confused I was with the title of this episode. Did you guys find out what this title comes from?
1: Where Silence mm-hmm. Has leaped. Is it Shakespeare? Close.
0: It is poetry is what it is. T.S. Eliot. Uh, I don't know if you'll guess it. It's Robert Service.
1: That's not a real person. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs>
0: That's an Which uh, is um, No, Robert Service wrote a poem called The Spell of the Yukon, which I read, and it's great. I will link it in the description as well. It is a, uh, it's is a—it's pretty much about someone who uh, travels to Alaska to go find gold, but really the true treasure is nature of Alaska
2: oh, and the beauty the of the The friends we Yukon. made along
0: the way? It's really, no, the mm-hmm. silence of the forest, right? So I'll read you actually ah. just the last paragraph, which has the quote in it, which is, <clears throat> There's gold, and it's haunting and haunting. It's luring me on as of old. Yet it isn't the gold that I'm wanting so much as just finding the gold. It's the great big broad land way up yonder in the forests where silence has lease. It's the beauty that thrills me with wonder. It's the stillness that fills me with peace.
2: Wow. I got goosebumps. Yeah, That's Yay. really good. And, that's,
0: and that goes to what you were saying, Xander, of like it's the experience, right, of learning. And so this is the same thing. He's like, we go, I'll go up here to seek the gold. Well, it's the process of getting the gold that I love so much and being out here in this silent forest and enjoying the nature.
1: That's Amen. What
0: mm-hmm. So gratitude journal that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna write yeah, yeah. in my gratitude journal about what I'm going to do if I encounter any holes. <laughs>
0: You're gonna steer Steer clear.